Section 16 of David and His Friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Larry Wilson. David and His Friends, a series of revival sermons by Louis Albert Banks. The Glory of Manhood. What is man that thou art mindful of him? and the son of man that thou visitest him psalm eight four it was a contemplation of the vastness and beauty and the glory of the universe that caused david to ask this question in wondering awe david reasons within himself that here is the great being who fills the midnight sky with suns and moons and planets and worlds like shining jewels and yet cares so much about man who is physically so insignificant when compared to these creations that he visits him and holds communion with him in loving tenderness it would be inconceivable if man were only an animal it is not the outward man which can be seen with the eye but the inward man the unseen the spiritual personality which chooses and decides which forms purposes and devises schemes to carry them out that is the man whom god visits and whose prosperity is important there could be no greater folly than for men or women to treat themselves as though the physical life which needs to have clothing of more or less fashionable cut and food that may please the palate or nourish the body were the real man or woman whose comfort is to dictate the decisions of life the folly is evident when we consider this outward physical life is a very fragile and temporary affair which has no certain lease of existence and is liable to be pulled down at any time liable to be snuffed out like a candle while the inner spiritual personality is to go on living forever one of the keepers in the british museum once found pinned to a skeleton preserved at that institution a poem entitled lines to a skeleton search was made for the author but though finally a reward of five hundred dollars was advertised his identity was never discovered these lines set forth with great clearness the great essential and important facts about manhood behold this ruin twas a skull once of ethereal spirit full this narrow cell was life's retreat this space was thought's mysterious seat what beauteous visions filled this spot what dreams of pleasure long forgot nor hope nor joy nor love nor fear has left one trace of record here beneath this mouldering canopy once shone the bright and busy eye but start not at the dismal void if social love that i employed if with no lawless fire it gleamed but through the dew of kindness beamed that eye shall be forever bright when stars and sun are sunk in night within this hollow cavern hung the ready swift and tuneful tongue if falsehood's honey is disdained and where it could not praise was chained if bold in virtue's cause it spoke yet gentle concord never broke this silent tongue shall plead for thee when time unveils eternity say did these fingers delve the mine or with its envied ruby shine to hew the rock or wear the gem avails but little now to them but if the page of truth they sought or comfort to the mourners brought these hands a richer meed shall claim than all that wait on wealth or fame 
avails it whether bare or shod these feet the paths of duty trod if from the halls of ease they fled to seek affliction's humble shed if grandeur's guilty bribe they spurned and home to virtues caught returned these feet with angel's wings shall vie and tread the portals of the sky our poet teaches in harmony with god's word that the highest characteristic of manhood is the recognition of responsibility to god and the living in harmony with god and our duty dr parkhurst says that the first compensation that comes to a man who chooses to accept jesus christ as his savior and king is that it silences the quarrel inside his own heart a man does not need to know a great deal about himself or about other people to be aware that outward circumstances go but a very little way in deciding the questions of the inward quietness and comfort of his own mind many people make the mistake of supposing that if they could have certain physical conditions and surroundings which strike their fancy they would be happy a little observation would show them that happiness does not come from these things and that many people who have the very things which they think would make them happy are miserable and perhaps are themselves making a catalogue of other surroundings which they fondly imagine would make them happy the fact is that clothes and books and furniture and money cannot make men or women happy happiness must come from something altogether deeper and more spiritual than that the quiet joy and peace in a man's heart can do infinitely more to beautify his circumstances than the most delightful circumstances he can imagine could do to create that quiet joy and peace in his heart the truth is that no man can have real peace unless there is harmony in his own breast so long as there is discord inside a man's own nature so that his passions and desires are at war with his conscience he cannot have real happiness but change that man so that in his heart he wants those things his conscience approves silence the quarrel within himself and give him peace and you have a happy man many a man carries hell in his heart every day he carries it to his business and makes a little taste of hell there for his employees to work in he carries it into his home and all peace and joy flies away he lies down with it at night and gets up with it in the morning on the other hand there are multitudes of men and women who carry heaven around in their hearts whether the day is pleasant or stormy whether the body is sick or well whether outward circumstances are pleasant or otherwise there is a sweet communion and peace a harmony of conscience and purpose a peace of god that casteth out all fear from their hearts which communicates itself in such a gracious influence as to make their coming into the business house or the home a benediction as someone has well said were you shot up into heaven for a few days and then shot down again you would find that the life of blessedness both in heaven and in earth is being at one with god no soul out of harmony with god whether in the body or out of the body can be happy in his presence heaven is the state in which god's presence is specially manifest it can be enjoyed only by those who are at home with god we cannot conceive of a wicked man being happy in the presence of a holy god a good man may be happy anywhere because he carries happiness with him but a bad man is a hell in himself and never sees any lasting peace there is no peace saith my god to the wicked
heaven consists in the development of the heavenly spirit and the heavenly graces in the heart life when i ask you to be a christian i ask you to yield your heart to christ so that he may take away from it the sense of guilt may cleanse it from impure and wicked desires may plant in it the graces of the spirit and bring your life into such a spiritual atmosphere that those heavenly growths will develop and blossom and bear fruit there is nothing that ought to alarm a man more than the fact that his heart and conscience respond to all this and cause him to say within himself i ought to make up my mind at once and begin to be a christian now and yet he does not decide and does not choose but drifts steadily in the wrong direction with ever weakening will for man to undertake to attribute to his circumstances or to the lack of christian interests on the part of his friends and associates his own personal responsibility and to give that as an excuse for not becoming a christian is a sure sign of the fact that he is losing that supreme mark of strong manhood the power to choose to do that which commends itself at once to his judgment and to his conscience it is always the indication of a strong man that he is able to choose what he will do promptly and decisively in general horace porter's book campaigning with grant he states that the army of the potomac began to move forward at once when general grant abolished the nightly council of war which previous commanders were accustomed to hold the general who is always seeking advice wins few victories the business man who always asks his right-hand neighbor when to buy and his left-hand neighbor when to sell will surely come to bankruptcy it is the mark of a fine strong character when a man asking help of god decides according to the best judgment and conscience he has on the subject and then follows that course though the heavens fall it is better to make a great many mistakes than never to make a decision the question of our personal allegiance to jesus christ is not one that we can transfer to anybody else it is a question that must be decided in our own conscience and it is the chief glory of manhood that man has the power to decide and through god's grace the power to carry out such a decision how clearly this quality of decision and the gracious results which flow from it show forth in the case of paul paul was on his way to damascus to fight against christianity and to do all he could to oppose christ but on the way at high noon he was smitten down with the conviction that he was wrong and that the christians were right he was suddenly confronted with the truth that christ was a divine personality and had a right to his service how clearly paul shows forth the pure metal of manhood that was in him he did not quibble about it and say in response to christ's appeal for his open confession and service o lord you know how i have been such an opponent of christianity you could not expect me all at once to turn right about and begin to openly serve you true i do now believe that you are the christ and that if i am ever to be saved i must be saved in your name and i feel that you have a right to my service i know it is ungrateful for me to delay my conscience tells me i ought to be an open christian but then uh, how people will talk if i do that now without any time between to think it over how many men quibble like that now but paul did not no indeed the moment he was convinced that christ was true he was ready to follow his duty 
and his first prayer was not, Lord, let me wait a while, let me think it over, excuse me till I can talk with my friends about it. Nothing like that, but this. Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And it was that earnest decision, followed up with a complete transformation in his life and conduct, that made him the great and glorious influence he was in the world. I call upon you for that kind of decision tonight. It is not worthy of your manhood or your womanhood to remain halting and undecided after your judgment and your conscience are convinced as to what you ought to do. This is not a time for dallying. There is not a man or woman here who has not thought it over and over again. And you know there is no valid excuse for you to delay longer to become a Christian. Ten minutes of acting on your conviction you already have will do more for your salvation than ten years of further consideration. Act and act now. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. End of section 16